This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon for the 16th Sunday after Pentecost, September 20th, 2020, offered at Trinity Commons. The principal texts for the sermon are Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 through 15, God's giving of manna to the Israelites in the wilderness, and Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the gifts of working from home in this unusual season is that I've gotten to spend quite a bit of time watching the birds, specifically hummingbirds. We've added another feeder this summer to our house and have therefore increased the number of tiny warrior birds that zip around our house on a daily basis. When the hummingbirds first arrive, their buzz is fast and high-pitched. But as I was watching them this morning, I noticed that their rate had slowed and the buzz was more of a hum and the aerial maneuvers were a bit slower. Unlike the morning doves that come in small groups to eat the bird seed that falls to the ground because the cardinals and house pigeons are messy eaters, There is no teamwork for hummingbirds. It is every bird for itself. Even though the hummingbird feeders have multiple drinking ports, our hummingbirds prefer to drink solo. One particular bird that is a bit larger than the others that we call fantail because of her tendency to fan out her tail as she flies straight towards another bird or our face to scare us away from the feeder, releases the front feeder in the early evenings. She is a real pain and makes it quite a chore for the other birds to get something to eat. I guess in the hummingbird world, this all makes sense. The little three grand birds need to double their weight to finish their migration south. The morning doves and the cardinals seem to stick around all year and have gotten used to the feeding arrangement. But for the hummingbirds, there is no such thing as sharing or taking their fair share. Sharing is a weird behavior. It's a learned behavior, something that most kids don't master until they're around three or four years old, and some only do it begrudgingly. Shortly after learning to share, kids seem to learn what fairness is, though some scientists think that fairness might be learned earlier. The basic idea of fairness for kids is that everybody has the same stuff. Stickers or toys or treats are distributed equally. And if someone gets something more or different, then you are very likely to hear the complaints of that's not fair. There's a lot of complaining going on in our readings today. The Israelites complain against Moses and Aaron about bringing them into the wilderness to die of hunger. 
keep in mind that at this point, God has in so many different ways miraculously delivered them, but they still just can't trust that God will provide. But again, God hears their complaints, promises to provide meat in the evenings and bread in the morning. And sure enough, in the evening there was quail, and in the morning there was manna, and the Israelites ate. Now the lectionary text ends at this point when they learn that the manna is the bread that the Lord has given. But if we were to read forward just a few more verses, we would learn that God gave them very specific instructions which is when they went out to gather the manna, they only needed to gather their fair share. But we learned that they didn't do that, no surprise in that count. Instead, when they went out to gather the manna, some of them would take less than what they needed for the day, but others would take more. Some would even try to save some overnight just in case the manna didn't return the next morning. But God makes it clear that the intention is that everyone has enough. So those that gather more than they need, when they get back to their tents, they find that they have less than what they gathered, but it is still enough. Those that gather less for whatever reason get back to their tents to find that they have more than they gathered, but just enough. And those that try to hold some back in case God doesn't send more manna the next morning finds that it rots overnight. Now we might see this and think, well, that's not fair. If folks work harder and gather more, they should have more. The folks that save should be able to save what they want to. And maybe it is not fair, but it is in God's economy enough. Our sense of fairness is again challenged by the parable from Matthew of the laborers in the vineyard. Scholar Amy Jill Levine has remarked that parables operate on multiple levels, and what makes them so difficult is that they challenge us to look into the hidden aspects of our own values, of our own lives. In the parable from Matthew, we seem to naturally find ourselves aligned with the workers. And most often, we find great sympathy with the workers that were hired first. We're pretty comfortable standing at the back of the line with these first hired workers grumbling about how those that worked less got paid the same as us. We can easily join the chorus of, that's not fair. Except it is fair. Everyone is getting the same. Those hired first and getting exactly what was agreed to, and those hired later in the day, though they had no agreement, were paid a fair day's wage. All of them got enough. The troublesome turn in the story comes from the landowner's question of, are you envious because I am generous? And the only answer that the laborers can give and that me standing in that grumbling crowd can offer is, well, yes, we are envious because the landowner is generous to someone, not us. The workers have no room to complain on fairness grounds, and their complaint is that somehow those hired later in the day are getting special treatment. I doubt the workers hired first would have complained if the landowner's generosity meant that they got a bonus. Our world is built on a system that demands that we believe that there is not enough fill in the blank for everybody. Not enough money, not enough work, not enough time. 
Therefore, it is every person for themselves. We become like those hummingbirds chasing others off from a feeder that still has multiple quarts to drink from. We're like the Israelites in the wilderness that try to take more than we, than we need from the miraculous bread given by God. We are like the grumbling workers that instead of being thankful that their neighbor will have enough money, we complain because we didn't get more. While we call this the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, the opening line tells us clearly that the point of focus is on the landowner. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out to hire workers. It is the landowner's question at the end of the parable that is designed to shake us to get our attention so that we can then turn and look with fresh eyes at what the landowner is doing and what that teaches us about the kingdom of heaven. The landowner is focused on giving as many people as possible a daily wage. He goes into the marketplace five times. He doesn't wait for folks to wander by and ask for work or for money. He knows he has resources, and so he actively goes out to find people that need work. If we focus our attention on the landowner, to see what the landowner teaches us about God, then maybe we are reminded of a God that provided enough meat and manna each day for the Israelites in the wilderness, even when they kept complaining. If we look to the landowner as a representation of what the kingdom of heaven looks like, then we see a community of actively generous people working each day to ensure that others in the community have enough. This parable isn't here to make us feel better, but to challenge us. It's not just offering comforting words that those that are late to the salvation party still get in. It's instead there to challenge us to examine our lives and our stuff and how we can be more like the generous landowner. What do we have that we can share? For some, it might be money. For others, it's time. Maybe it's courage or truth or love. Maybe you just have an abundance of kind words. But once you figure out what you can share, then to be like the generous landowner, you have to go into your community or school or family or workplace again and again, making sure that everyone has enough of what you can share. And by doing so, you will invite them to step into the reality of the kingdom of heaven. By doing so, you will bring the kingdom of heaven to bear a little bit more on this world. By doing so, you will transform a hurting world based on not enough into a world where everyone has enough. Amen.